The Bible tells us that faith is something that must be present in us in a very personal way if we're going to be effective and productive spiritually and otherwise. Today, we'll be looking at three key things the Bible teaches about faith. This message is the fifth in the series, Real Deal Faith. The message is entitled, Putting Your Faith to Work. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Welcome this weekend to Church of the Redeemer. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us. I want to give a good welcome to all of our different campuses. Welcome all the folks in Clarksburg and Frederick, universities at Shady Grove, also the folks in Gaithersburg. So why don't we give a good round of applause to all of our different campuses as we worship together and study God's Word this weekend. And we're one church in many locations, several locations, so it's great to be together studying, uh, again, God's Word this weekend. Grab your Bibles, if you will. We're in the book of James, New Testament book of James, and that's right after the book of Hebrews and right before First and Second Peter. And so you can look there in your Bibles. James chapter 2 is where we're going to be in just a few moments uh, for some verses that we'll look at together toward the end of the message. But I want to talk to us this weekend about putting your faith to work. And so if you have your teaching sheets, uh, let's dive right in. The book of James really is a book about practical Christian living. It's about real deal faith. How do you and I live our faith out in the midst of a world that sometimes is adverse to our faith? Sometimes we really uh, face the obstacles of people around us, circumstances around us that don't cooperate with us as believers at times. And so we have to learn how to deal with the adversities and the challenges of life with a real deal faith. And James, the the half-brother of Jesus, was actually the author, the inspired, Holy Spirit-inspired author of this wonderful book of five chapters. It's the oldest book in the New Testament, and it provides for us, as I mentioned, a number of very important topics or themes of practical Christian living. How do you really, really live out your relationship with God? And one of the themes, one of the practical themes of the book of James is the whole theme of or the topic of faith. He talks quite a bit about faith. In fact, as we'll read in a few moments, the entire, most of the entire chapter, uh, second chapter of the book of James is really about this process of faith, how we live it out, what it means, and how James very uniquely and significantly defines it for us. So I want to do something for us this weekend. Really, uh, this weekend is primarily what I would call a Bible study on faith. I want you to understand what the Bible has to say to us about faith and how it's developed, why it's important, how it's used in our lives, and really the kind of work that it accomplishes for us. And also as a part of this series, uh, later on we'll talk more about this uh, in another one of our teachings uh, out of the book of James. I want to give you three things this weekend. So if you have your notes ready, take them down. Number one, the Scripture teaches us when it comes to the topic of faith that faith is not uh, something that is optional. Faith is actually a necessity. In fact, according to the Bible, faith really is the foundation upon which everything will be built in your life as a believer in Jesus Christ. You need a good, solid foundation of faith because everything else is based upon that. Just like in a building, you can't build the superstructure of a building without having the foundation. The same is true in your walk with God. Now, the Bible says that faith is something that is not impersonal, it is personal. It's not just some general kind of thing that we have. It's something that happens really on the inside of us, at the core of our hearts. Just like, uh, as I said, a building has a foundation, the core of your life is your heart. And in the core of your life, there needs to be this thing called personal faith. And the Bible says this is extremely 
vital to you. It is absolutely essential. Hebrews 11, verse 1. What is faith? Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. So the Bible says that faith has to do with something in here related to things you can't see out there. Faith, again, is something in here related to things you can't see out there. So faith reaches in to the invisible realm, if you will, and grabs hold of an assurance, a confidence of something that is unseen but yet very real in your heart. See, just because something is unseen does not make it real. I think you've, if you've had the opportunity of, of experiencing electricity, you understand, oh, it's very real. You can't see it but it's real. You've had the experience of the wind. You cannot see the wind, but the wind is still very real. And as we talk about faith, it's important to realize that it's something in here that reaches into what you cannot see out there and makes it a confidence in you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. Again, the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 11 is a book that's really all about faith. That chapter is, and it ties in very nicely with what we're talking about from James and this Bible study this weekend on faith. Hebrews 11, 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that if you're going to come to God, you have to believe that He exists. Obviously, you can't have a relationship with God if you don't believe that He exists. And that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And so there's this confidence again, this awareness that I believe in God, that He exists, that He, in fact, will reward me if I will seek after Him. So let me sum it up this way, and then we'll look at some... Uh, uh, reasons why faith is important. Faith really is the foundation level of your heart and your relationship with God. It's what transforms your thoughts, your attitude, your actions. Actually, I will say it this way. Your belief really is transformed. It transforms your behavior. Whatever you believe is actually how you're going to behave. It will perform or, or create the, the foundation or the structure for your life. Now, I want to give you 10 reasons why faith is so important to all of us. First of all, as we've already seen, faith connects us with God. You'll never reach up to God uh, and believe in God without some kind of confidence that He exists, that He's willing to listen to you. He's willing to answer. We read that a moment ago in Hebrews 11, verse 6, that the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Second of all, faith is required for eternal life. What, what does the Bible teach us about faith? You have to have it if you're going to experience eternal life. Perhaps one of the best-known scriptures in all the Bible is John chapter 3, verse 16. And notice how faith plays into this very, very familiar verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him, notice there's the word believe, believing, have faith in, whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal or everlasting life. It's our faith in Jesus Christ, our belief in Jesus Christ as the one who died on the cross for us, for our sins, and then rose from the grave, that death could, could not conquer him. He rose victoriously from the grave. Our confidence or our faith in him is what brings us into the experience or the gift of eternal life. Faith also gives purpose to your life. See, when you have faith, you believe that God has a reason for your being, that you're not an accident, that you're not just somehow showing up on planet Earth without any kind of plan or design of God, but you know that you believe in here. You can't always see it out there, but you believe in here. There's a purpose for my 
my life. There's a reason why I am here. I just want to remind you this weekend that for each one of you, there is a reason for your being. There's a reason why you're here. And faith says, I believe that God has a purpose for my life. Fourthly, faith is what keeps us going over the long haul. You can't keep going over a long period of time without faith. It's sort of that uh, air in the balloon that keeps it afloat. If you put an air up into the, uh, put a balloon up into the air, the only thing that's going to keep it there is that, what it, that, that substance in it that keeps it floating. And the same is true for our lives to sustain over the long period of time. We have to be people who have a confident faith. Second Timothy 4 verse 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Notice that Paul says fighting the fight involved faith and finishing the race involved faith. If you don't have faith, you'll give up far too quickly. Fifthly, faith is an ingredient in an effective prayer life. If you're going to pray effectively, you have to believe that God is. If you don't believe that God is, you certainly will not pray. And then Beyond that, that God not only is, but that God actually answers, that God rewards you when you call out to Him. And faith is linked, it's intertwined with this concept or this practice of prayer. Jesus said in Mark 11, verse 24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer. So again, he's talking about coming to God and making requests of God. He says, now here's what you do when you're making these requests. Believe or have faith. Believe that you have received them or received it, and it will be yours. So again, we link our faith to the practice of prayer, and that's what makes prayer effective for us. It's what brings about answers to prayer. So if you're just mumbling words or going through some kind of of liturgy with prayer with no faith in your heart, it's not going to have any effect in your life. It's only the prayers that you pray with some confidence that God exists and that God really wants to answer. It's that kind of prayer that brings about answers to your prayers. Number six, six things, six reasons why prayer is so important to us is because uh, pray, or excuse me, faith is so important because faith is essential for our healing. You will never experience healing in your life until you have faith. Faith is what moves you further along. Luke seventeen nineteen. Then he said to him, "Rise and go. Your faith has made you well." There are many people right here in our own church, some of you that are right here today, that you can say, you know, it was that moment when I began to really believe that God loved me and God cared about me and believe God's word for my life and God's promises for my life. It was at that moment and those moments of life that I began to see my life come back together again. Wholeness began to be restored and healing came to my soul. Acts 3.16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see, whom you see and know was made strong in Jesus' name and the, notice that, the faith that comes through him. It is, it is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this, this complete healing to him, as you can see. This is the story of the man by the gate. Uh, he was begging for money. He could not walk. He was paralyzed. And he sees Peter and John coming by the gate there at the temple. And he asks for money. And Peter and John, Peter says, silver and gold we don't have. But what we have we give you in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. And here in verse 16 of Acts 3, the Bible says that the man put faith in the name of Jesus. 
It was faith. He believed that Jesus was alive and could do this for him, and it resulted in him being able to do what he'd never been able to do before. How many times we have testimonies of people who can say, you know what, I started doing things I thought I could never do because I put faith in God. I put faith in Jesus. And maybe that's where you are today, that there's something you're facing right now that you think, I I can't do this. It's beyond me. But faith in his name brings capacity. Faith in his name brings healing. The seventh thing that uh, faith provides strength for and uh, enables us to do is it enables us to access the promises of God. God has, has promises. Throughout this book called the Bible, there are all kind of promises for you and me. Promises of salvation and promises of healing and promises of provision and promises of guidance and wisdom. And I could go on and on of all the different kind of promises that you find in the Bible. But a promise is only activated when you believe it. If I make a promise to you, you're only going to benefit from that promise if you believe that I have the integrity that stands behind the promise and that I have the capacity to deliver what I have promised. And that's what faith is. Faith comes to God's word and says, God, I believe that you would never lie to me. I believe that your word, what it says is true. And this promise, if I will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll be saved. For example, I believe that that promise is true. And so I have have confidence in your integrity. And I also believe that you have the capacity to do what you said that you would do, that you would save me. And so I put my faith in your promise. And there in that moment, when you put your faith in the promise of God, there is a divine interaction again that transpires. Something happens spiritually when you and I do that. Romans 4, verse 16, the first part of verse 16 of Romans 4 says, Therefore, the promise comes by faith. You receive the promises of God by faith. And then faith also motivates us to obey God's word. Faith believes that God's word, God's will, God's ways are always right. Faith says, I believe that God always wants what is best for me and that God always tells me what is best for me and that God always rewards me when I do what he says that I am to do. And so because of that, I am going to actually obey God even when I don't feel like obeying him or even when my mind might tell me something different my faith says god i believe that your way your word your will is best and that's why really walking with god is not really a matter of your feelings it's not really a matter even of your your your, your thought process always all thought processes always because sometimes your mind will tell you that god's word really isn't true or you don't need to obey it but Faith comes and says that that supersedes all that. I have an invisible confidence in God, in His Word and in His will and His way. I believe that the invisible God that is real to me through Jesus Christ, I believe that what He says is best. I will obey it. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? So the Scripture is saying that real faith really affects your actions. Or as I said a moment ago, belief determines your behavior. What you really believe will be revealed by how you behave. If you say you believe one thing, but you behave differently, then really your behavior is more of an accurate description of what you really believe than what you say you believe is. So our actions always speak louder than our words. And number nine, the ninth thing that really represents the benefit of faith to us is it leads us to a life of peace. 
There is no way to live in peace, especially in the kind of world that we live in today, without having a faith in God that allows us to say, God, in the midst of all the stuff around me, I'm holding on to the confidence that you're with me, that you're going to carry me through, that you're going to provide for me whatever necessary. And I also know, God, that whenever the storms come, that you will never leave me nor forsake me. You have a promise to get me through. So faith is what allows you to access the peace of God. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that peace in our life, both peace with God and peace with people, and then I would add also peace in our circumstances, happens when you and I put our faith in Christ, our faith in God. And so it's a very vital aspect of your life. Then the tenth thing is that faith is what prepares and qualifies you for service in God's kingdom. You'll never be a servant in the kingdom of God unless you have faith. You have to believe that God can actually use you, that God wants to use you, that God has put something in you that is valuable to the world around you, and that He wants you to be a difference maker. He wants you to be a history maker. He wants you to do something with your life that only you uniquely can do. But you have to believe that. That's why fulfilling your purpose in life is connected to faith. You will never fulfill your divine purpose unless you really believe that God exists and that God's way is right and that God rewards those that seek Him and to believe that you have a vital purpose on the planet and that part of that is fulfilled in serving Him and His kingdom. In fact, Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20 uh, talks about the time that Jesus walked by the seashore of Galilee and he saw uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They were commercial fishermen, the Bible says. And, and Jesus called them to follow him. And their faith that is entering into ministry or enter into, entering into service happened because they believed Jesus. They had faith that was fulfilled or walked out by their actions. Matthew four eighteen through 20, as Jesus was walking by, and beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Notice their response. At once they left their nets and followed him. How could they do this? How could they leave everything behind? They were making a living as fishermen. That's the only thing that they knew. That's, that was the occupation of their life. That's what they'd been trained to do. That's what they had invested their life in. And then Jesus comes along and says, follow me, guys, and I want to make you into fishers of men. And the Bible says that they left everything, left their nets, and they followed him. Why? Because there was a faith that said, now I've discovered my purpose, and my faith is in what God can do in and through my life. I'm believing that he has prepared me and qualified me for service in his kingdom. So you must understand that faith is not an option. Faith is a necessity. I've just given you ten reasons why you need, Bible reasons why you need to develop faith in your life, vital to our development, our growth, and everything that we become. The second thing I want to talk to you about this weekend is that faith is, is like a muscle. Faith is, is something that is, I might say, grown and developed in you. A lot of times people will say, well, pastor, I want to be a person of faith, but I don't, I don't have much faith. I don't have any faith. How do I get more faith? And it, sometimes we, we make it much more complicated than it really is. And so getting faith is not, not super complicated. And I'm going to give you some points here in just a moment, but I want to lay down the fact before I talk about how you get faith to the fact that or to the reality that faith can actually be developed. It's just like a muscle. 
You might look at your body right now, and I'm not sure what kind of shape you may be in, but for many of us, we might say, you know, there was a time when my muscles were a little stronger than they are right now. And the reason that perhaps they're not as strong now as they were at a previous time in your life is because you haven't been using them. You haven't been exercising them. You haven't been to the gym. You haven't been uh, doing something that has caused there to be the growth and development, again, of your muscles. They've fallen into atrophy. And that can happen spiritually to us as well. And so if you're going to have a robust faith, there's some things you've got to do. It's not just going to show up in your life automatically. You've got to do some things that will lead to the exercising of those faith muscles so your faith will be stronger so that those ten things I just described to you a moment ago can become more reality in your life. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2 says, We sent Timothy... Paul writes again to the Thessalonians and said, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Christ. Notice why Paul sent Timothy to, to the Thessalonians. Why don't you read the rest of it with me? To strengthen and encourage you, what? In your faith. Paul said, I sent this guy, Timothy, because I knew that God could use him in your life to actually strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Actually, I believe that right now as we're uh, studying God's Word together in all of our campuses, I believe that right now in this moment as I am God's messenger to you, God's pastor speaking into your life, that God is now strengthening and encouraging your faith. See, God uses people to do that for us. The, 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 the reality here is that your faith can be strengthened and your faith can be encouraged. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Why don't we read this one together all aloud and loudly across all of our campuses? So here we go. Let's read. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love, of, and love every one of you has for each other is increasing. The Bible says that your faith, talk again, talking again about the Thessalonians, your faith is growing more and more. And that's God's desire for you in your life, that your faith would not remain small, that your faith would not remain weak, that you would not be a faith-emaciated believer, a faith-anemic believer, but there would be a faith in you that is growing more and more. Does that mean you're going to be a faith giant overnight? No. Nobody becomes a faith giant overnight. In fact, we struggle throughout our entire life learning to develop and keep our faith strong. As Paul said, I had to fight the good fight of faith, and I had to complete my course. I had to make sure that I stayed on target. It's true for all of us. But I will tell you that over time, your faith can get stronger and stronger. And I believe that this very weekend that God is speaking to so many of us and saying, you know what, it's time for you to let go of that weak faith. I want to make you stronger. I want you to grow your faith more and more. So as I mentioned a moment ago, for our faith to get bigger, stronger... There's some things that you and I have to do. Just like if you're going to make your physical muscles stronger, there are things you have to do. If you're going to make your spiritual faith stronger, that confidence on the inside of you that reaches into the unseen world out there of God's workings and God's Spirit and God's Word, and you grab hold of it and make it real in you, then there's some things you have to do to develop that faith. So let me give you seven practical ways that you can grow your faith. So I hope you'll listen very closely, but most importantly, I hope that you'll start applying these seven things, because what will happen is you will, I promise you on the authority of God's Word, if you will do these seven things, your faith will get 
stronger. You will grow in your faith. And a year from now, you will be a different person than you are right now just by practicing the seven things that I'm going to share with you for the next few moments. Number one, no, no, no. Have an absolute assurance that God has already given you a seed of faith in your heart, that God has put in your heart what I would call a seed of faith, or as the Scripture says, a measure of faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, the latter part of verse 3 says, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. What does that mean? It means that you already have everything in you uh, that, 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 that is sufficient to get you started in faith. See, what is a seed? A seed, it doesn't look like what the eventual plant will look like, and a seed is only a beginning point, but you can't have the plant without the seed. And God has already put into the heart of every person here, Every person this weekend, there's a seed inside of you that God has placed there as a little seed of where faith can get started. I call it uh, what I would call a faith starter kit. Every person has a faith starter kit. There's not a single person that can't get their faith started if they will, if they will begin to take that step with God. And so it's your move today. It's not God's move. It's He's already moved. He's already put in you a seed, and now it's your move to say, I believe that it's there, now I'm going to actually do something with it. So everybody has a seed of faith in their heart. So why don't you turn to that person beside you right now and just remind them there's a seed of faith inside of you. Go ahead and tell them, say, there is a seed of faith inside of you. And let them speak that word into your life as well. Let's affirm one another. There's a measure of faith God has given us. Number two, you have to believe God and His Word. It sounds very straight up, but it's, it really is what it is. You have to believe God and believe His Word. Faith is a choice. You choose to believe. You might remember the story of a man by the name of Thomas, right? And we know Thomas as Doubting Thomas, that is the adjective that is often put before his name to describe his personality. The reason he was called Doubting Thomas was because he doubted whether Jesus had really risen from the grave until Jesus appeared to him uh, on that Sunday evening after his resurrection, or the next Sunday evening, I should say, a week after his resurrection. Now, what happened is this. Jesus shows up where Thomas has gathered with the disciples, and there's this moment that Jesus has with Thomas where there's a kind of confrontation that happens, a loving confrontation that happens between Jesus and Thomas. Obviously, there's the opportunity that Jesus says, put your finger into my, my, my nail-pierced hands and, and feel my side and be aware that I am who I say I am. I'm the resurrected Lord. But I want you to see what happened here. Notice John chapter 20, verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Now read the rest with me. Here's the confrontational moment, very significant moment. Read it together. Jesus says to him, stop doubting and what? Believe. He says, Thomas, now is the time to make a choice, to say no more doubt. I'm going to be a believer. I choose to be a believer. By the way, let me tell you, it's always better to be a believer than a doubter. It's only when your life really changes for the better when you move from the doubt to the belief. Third thing is feed on the food of faith, God's Word. Feed on His promises. See, you are what you eat. 
If you're always uh, hanging around uh, uh, the, the, the wrong kind of food, if you will, and eating the wrong kind of food and hanging around the wrong kind of people spiritually, what's going to happen to you is you're going to partake of their, their doubt. Their doubt is going to infiltrate you. So you've got to make the choice to eat the right kind of food that will build your faith. Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want you to think from now forward that this book called the Bible is your, it's not only your guidebook, it certainly is that. It's not only your instruction manual, it, it certainly is that. It's not only your love letter from God, it is that. But it's also something else. It is food from heaven. It is faith food. When you eat this, it's like eating the right kind of diet that builds muscles. This builds your faith muscles. The more you eat of this Bible, by, by that I mean you, 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 you read it and you meditate upon it. You think about its application for your life. You, you find its promises and begin to believe them. The more you do this, the more you take in of God's Word, the stronger your faith will be. You become what you eat. That's why it's important. I'll talk more about this in a moment. It's important to be in the, uh, in the, as an active part of the life of the church because you're, as you come to together like we are this weekend, you're eating food, spiritual food that is building you up. And again, I'll mention more about that in just a bit. The fourth thing that you need to do is reflect on God's faithfulness in the past. How do you build your faith? You look back and see what God has done. Now, there are only a few good reasons for looking back. Most often, we need to simply look forward. But I'll give you at least two good reasons for looking back. Look back if there's a lesson you can learn there for your life that you'll not repeat a mistake that you've made. So if there's a good lesson from your history, it doesn't hurt to look back and say, what do I learn from that? And then there's also another good reason for looking back, and that's to see God's faithfulness in the past, what He's done for you, so you can take that experience and bring it into your present to build the faith in your life right now. The psalmist talked about this in Psalm 77, verse 11. He says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. Number five, pray for faith. Ask God to increase your faith. There was a story of a father that brought his demonized son to Jesus, actually to the disciples first, and they could not cure him. And eventually he brings, them, brings his son to Jesus for deliverance. And uh, Jesus asked him, do you believe that I can do this? And notice Mark 9, 24. Immediately the father, boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So there's a value there praying, God, I've got some faith, but I need my faith to be stronger. Help me to overcome unbelief in my life. The sixth thing is use the faith that you have. I already said you've got some faith inside of you. There's, some, there's a seed of faith right now. For some of you, it's already started growing and maturing. But use it. The more you use it, the stronger it will be. Matthew 25, 29. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now you say, well, how do I start using my faith? It's simple. Start speaking about your faith. Don't be ashamed of your faith. Speak it out. When you speak out about your faith, your faith gets stronger. Start obeying God. Do what His Word says. Why? Because when you obey, your faith gets stronger. Start giving. Why? Because giving is an expression of faith. As you give, there is this faith that grows in you. Start serving. When you serve, you have to serve out of faith. And so it stretches those muscles. Every time you speak and obey and give and serve, it is stretching the muscles of your faith so that you're using what you have. And then number seven, expose yourself to faith faith-building people, and faith-building environments. 
1 Thessalonians 3, verse 2. We talked about it a moment ago. Listen to it again. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker, and spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Some people build faith. Some people will rob faith from you. Hang around the people that build faith. Be a part of the church as well. That's why being in church every weekend, making it a decision to say, I'm going to be in God's house. Why is that important? Because what's happening is your faith is making you stronger. Your faith is getting stronger as you're here, and that's creating the foundational element of your life for everything else that God wants to do. The last thing I want to talk to you about very briefly is I want to talk to you about the fact that real faith produces practical results. When you're really walking in faith, there's some practical things that happen. 1 Thessalonians 1, 3, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. So faith produces work. Listen to James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. It's a long reading, but it's a very valuable reading. Listen as I, as I share this with you. Let it sink into your heart. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't, isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say, I... I you say faith, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the Scriptures say. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we're shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. And just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. The Bible says, what is it teaching us here? What is James saying to us as we're looking at this topic of faith? He's saying real faith has practical results. Let me remind you of three practical things that are going to happen in your life when you begin to develop your faith. And these will, this will grow your faith and it will also be evidence that your faith is growing. I'll say that again. These three things will grow your faith, but also these three th things will be evidence that your faith is growing. As I mentioned a moment ago, obeying, obeying God's word, just doing what his word says. Even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't want to, you say, God, this is what you say. I'm going to believe it. It doesn't matter what my mind is telling me at this moment. If your word says it's true, I believe that it's true. I'm going to obey it. I'm going to live in obedience to your word. That shows real faith and trust in God. Second of all, by giving. When you give, giving always, you cannot really give without faith because faith says, as I give, I'm trusting God to take care of me. I've got something now that I'm going to release to someone else or release for something else. And I know that if I will release that, that God will take care of me. So anytime in life, remember giving, 
financially, whatever it might be, any kind of giving is never about your gift. It's about your faith. It's about your trust in God. It's proof of your trust in God. And then when you serve Him, serving God is one of the ways that you also, again, say, God, I believe you. I'm going to stretch my faith by serving. Again, these three things, obedience, giving, generosity, and serving, all both stretch faith and prove that you have faith. And real faith always has practical results. So what have we learned this, this weekend? We've learned that faith is a necessity. I talked to you about ten things, ten reasons why you need faith in your life according to the Bible. We talked about faith as a muscle. You can develop it. I gave you seven ways that you can develop your faith. Focus on those seven things. We talked about the fact that real faith is always demonstrated by practical results. How do you know you're growing in faith? You're becoming more obedient. You're becoming more of a generous giver. And you're becoming more of a faithful servant to God. I want to pray for you and ask that God will help you to take these words into your heart today. And I'm praying that your faith will grow more and more as you obey God, as you learn to be a generous giver, and as you give your life in service to Him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word this afternoon, this day. I pray thank you for every person that's heard the word of God in all of our different campuses. I thank you for your love for them. And God, I'm praying in Jesus' name for a faith in them that will grow and grow and grow. I pray, Lord, that you'll help them to focus in on the things they can do to increase their faith. And Father, I pray that in doing so, they'll become more obedient to you. They'll become more generous in their giving. They'll become, Lord, in every realm of life, they'll become more of a servant of God in everything they do for your glory and for your honor and for your praise in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. 
And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.